Love in the Full Moon. Mother writes, O oh, Sister Moon, pregnant and full, use your silver alchemy to turn my dark side bright. Give me the strength to forgive myself and embrace the source. I will share your silver with others in return. Who are the people around you who make you feel less than good about yourself? The people who, when you meet them, leave you feeling angry or depressed or just not that great about yourself? You can take out your book if you wish and write down their names. There is a reason for you to write the names down in your book. It's so that periodically, when you review its contents, you check there aren't other names who've crept into the book and need to be written down and dealt with. This is enough for the moment. You're getting them out of your head for now. If you do this, just close the book and put it away. So now, I ask you, when was the last time you took time out for yourself, whether to do nothing at all, alone, or treat yourself to something which only you would enjoy. Was it yesterday, last month, last year, or was it never? Do you care for yourself and your needs in the way you should, the way, perhaps, you're happy to treat others, but not yourself? It is time to start showing yourself the love that you want to get from others. It is the simplest of tasks this time. Each week, schedule time for yourself. Time which is set aside for you alone. Time which is non-negotiable. You schedule in things you don't like much, such as a visit to the dentist or taking the car to be serviced. It is time to give yourself time in capital letters. I schedule me time in before anything else, and I do not negotiate. I will only change the contents of this time if something I'd rather be doing comes along instead. Then the rule for me is that there must be something there to please me, not to please or appease someone else. Get your calendar. Now, put in me time. Do it every week. Consider yourself told. Okay? Yes, I know. I'm actually quite aware of what you're thinking. Yes, I am bossy, I know. But you're also thinking, it's easy to say these things and not so easy to do. Please do not skip this part. It is an essential requirement for the journey. Don't think either that you can do it for a little while and then allow the needs of others around you to creep into this time, thinking it won't matter. It does, and it will matter. Because by doing this, you are choosing to respect yourself. And if you don't respect yourself, you will not complete the journey. It really is as simple as that. You need to recognise and to feel you are worth the journey. 
that you're ready to be magical and one with the source. To be part of the source and to stay connected to it, you need to start liking and loving who you are now. Not when you're thinner or richer or smarter. Now. I can tell you this now as someone who got completely lost and went right to the edge before an angel pulled me back. One of the most difficult kinds of love is the love of self. Shakespeare knew what he was talking about in Henry V when he said, Self-love, my liege, is not so vile a sin as self-neglecting. Most of us have been brought up to fear self-love and to confuse it with selfishness. Loving yourself does not mean you are being selfish. It means you know your own worth, you respect yourself, your body, your ideas, your right to occupy your space. And it is a fear of appearing arrogant or selfish that drives many people to be their own worst enemy. Treating themselves with less respect than they would a complete stranger. Perhaps the term self-respect would be more comfortable for me to use with you than self-love. It does mean the same thing. Let me put this to you. Do you value your own opinions? Are you able to say no without feeling uncomfortable? Then you are, sadly, in the minority. This must change if you are to become one with the source. You see, those who live in the source know their own worth and prize their skills and contribution to others. Most people, however, have got into a habit of valuing others more than themselves, and they lose out on life as a result. Their lack of self-respect tells them how others should treat them, and they end up getting no respect from others either. It's time to change. Time to embrace your honest and magical self, and time to stand up and give yourself some respect with a capital R. I admit, it isn't easy when you're working against a lifetime of conditioning. And, as was the case with me, I brought myself into close contact with someone who was more than happy to reinforce my lack of self-love. This person was happy to see me confused and sad and used these states to manipulate me. It wasn't personal. I was just one in a line of many. At the time, I couldn't see the harm which was happening and I didn't love myself enough to be able to take a step away from the attention that this man paid to me. I could not step away from this man even when I heard him tell another, You are nothing without me and it's very cold outside. Remember that. I didn't think I was being unfairly treated and I worked even harder to try to gain the respect from him which I was failing to give to myself. I was like a starving man in a desert as I begged, begged for scraps of attention. Looking back, I cannot honestly remember who I was. At that time in my life, I was out of my own head and so busy trying to fulfil the needs of others that I'd lost sight of who I was. I only knew 
when I'd had enough of this empty life. So, picture the scene. Newcastle, in the north of England. It was winter, just coming up to Christmas time. I was working there through the weekend. It was how I spent most of my weekends at that time. I remember that it was a Friday night and Newcastle comes to life at the weekend. This is one town that really knows how to party. The nearby docks were full, and as the evening drew in, I could hear the sound of men singing and the laughter of women close by. It was only early, but the ships were in and the sailors were out for a proper good time, and I watched the scene from my hotel room. I remember it was a nice hotel, bland but inoffensive. The rooms looked like many others I'd stayed in before. I'd known my way around this room in the dark, even though I hadn't stayed there before. It was designed that way. Anonymity accented with low-key modernity. And it felt me feeling well and truly depressed. I expected I could even guess the room service menu. I looked. I was right. I turned to look outside. The best thing about the room was definitely the view. My room overlooked the quayside and the Millennium Bridge spanning the Tyne with real style. The Winking Bridge, they call it locally. I never did find out why they called it that. It was beautiful, though, especially as it got darker, and the lights on it shone out in the darkness. It started to look more ethereal, less like a bridge and more like a gateway to another place. I looked on. With the darkness came snow, and I watched it settle on the roofs of the cars in the street below. I leaned on the window, looking out on the scene below and registered how cold I felt. This wasn't the cold of temperature, but the cold of ice veins. The cold of non-existence. The cold of a room made to be inoffensive to all and appeal to none. That's what my life had become bland and anonymous. And it was all true. This had become my reality and I had created it, or at least I'd allowed it to be created around me as I lost the will to create my own. I was ceasing to exist as a person. There were no calls asking me to come out and play on Friday night, or any night for that matter, now. My obsession with working life had put paid to any invitations that may have come. People get tired of asking when you always say no. I was becoming ever more numb as I watched life in the street below me. And I remember thinking at the time that I couldn't remember exactly when it happened, but I knew then that I'd looked out of too many hotel windows at weekends in too many cities. If I didn't exist anymore, what was the point of carrying on? Who would miss me? I mean, 
really miss me? How can you miss someone who isn't really there anyway? Looking down, I saw three women arm in arm singing carols loudly and with energy. I wondered what they would have thought of me had they looked up. I was spending my weekend in solitary confinement watching others having fun. I changed focus and started to see my face reflected in the dark window. A blank expression greeted me. I didn't like what I was seeing, so I retreated away from her and into the room. I turned on the TV and flicked aimlessly through the channels. Reality TV heaven. Other people's lives to vicariously enjoy for those like me who'd got none of their own. <sighs> what to do now? I could order room service. Or I could just walk out of the hotel right now and throw myself off the millennium. I remember thinking that it probably wouldn't take too long to drown in the cold, dark tide. So I pulled on my boots and I wrapped up warm. At least I wouldn't get cold on the way there. When you make a decision like this, when you are stone cold sober, I couldn't comment on the sane part. I can only tell you that I felt sane in those moments. In fact, it felt like the sanest, most logical act of my life in that moment of thinking. The oddest things start to happen around you. Your limbs move on autopilot. You feel your heart bouncing around inside as if it's trying to remind you you're still alive. I can only tell you that the first thing that came into my mind was that now I'd made my mind up, I'd just better get on with it. No point in waiting. I left the hotel, crossed the road, made my way to the centre of the bridge. It was still only early and there were lots of people around. I decided to come back later, oddly blushing at the thought of being the centre of attention if someone tried to stop me. Better to wait. And so I walked. I walked through the streets, through the packed streets, aimlessly. What I wanted to know was when would this city go to sleep so that I could get some rest, finally. And so I walked and walked and, well, you know, you get the picture. So it was many tired hours later I found myself close to the top of a tall hill, looking down over the city. In those hours of walking I started to feel more alive than I had in months. Maybe it was the reality of the biting cold wind and the snow. Maybe it was the sheer effort of walking. I couldn't tell you what I was thinking then, but I do remember how it felt. And it felt good. The snow had continued patiently all evening, swirling into corners and piling up, making the hard edges of the building soft and marshmallow-like. It had turned the usually drab buildings into Christmas decorations, toys for the festive season. From a distance, I could hear solitary shouts from the city itself, but here, in this uphill street, I was alone. Almost. I looked to the top of the hill and I saw a young woman. She was not dressed for the weather, wearing the smallest of dresses and the highest of heels. I almost didn't see her, as with her back to the bus stop, 
she had slid peacefully down until she was sitting elbow deep in the snow. And the snow had already started settling peacefully on her head and shoulders. I walked up the hill towards her, concerned that she'd freeze to death, or maybe she already had. I just wanted to make sure she was okay. As I arrived, she stirred, dislodging her snow hat behind her. She looked up at me calmly. Fancy a chip, pet? From her lap, she pulled a soggy chip from a paper bag. Keeps you warm, chips do. She mumbled and started laughing. And I couldn't help it. I laughed too. My chariot has arrived. With this, she waved her arm vaguely in the direction of downhill to a bus toiling its way up towards us. I helped her stand and get on the bus. Only then did I see the tiny nylon wings, complete with damp feathers, strapped onto her naked shoulders. She waved to me from the back seat of the bus as her chariot carried her home to heaven. I laughed all the way back to my hotel. I laughed until I cried. An angel saved my life that night, pet. An angel in the last place I was looking. I got back into my room and I ordered a plate of chips in her honour, still laughing. I knew then I didn't want to kill myself, but I did want to put an end to my current existence, to the ice maiden which I had become. She was cold and hard and unpleasant in my eyes. She'd been trained like a dog to act and react to the world around her, mainly by one man, but mostly by her own weakness. I recognised even in my depth that I could not blame another person for whom I had become. I had to accept responsibility for myself and instead of killing her, to give her respite, rest and peace. Something which she, I, did not have in the life we were living. So it is she who sleeps now on that Scottish mountain. I stopped hating her and I learned to understand what had created her. And with mother's intervention, I took back control. And now it's your turn to learn to love your inner reality and to give form to your dreams and hopes with others as if they are already real. Because guess what? They already are real. And ready to move outside of your inner into your outer reality. Mother writes. With original sin, you were marked at birth, they say, I say nay. Their power wanes as your moon waxes. You were born to live, not wait for death. Take your first steps, face the world and learn from Seth. And so... 
you can open the circle once more. Light your candle and meditate for a moment on the flame. Go to the pages of your book on which you've written the names of those who reinforced your negative self-beliefs. Send out healing or feelings of gentleness to them as much as you feel you can afford. And by doing this simple act, you remove the poison from your heart and open yourself up to positive experiences. It's time to free yourself to love yourself with all your flaws and imperfections. It is okay. You are a work in progress. And if you fail to do this, you create a block which prevents you from opening your heart fully to love. And you will return endlessly to the roundabout of negative emotions and relationships. So it's your choice. It is truly a time to move on, a time to love yourself, warts and all. And if you don't, your boundaries will solidify once again into the prison walls and you put yourself straight back into your old incarceration. I know it isn't easy, but it does get easier. Love is a beautiful and natural drug. One which can fuel your inner reality, your magical world, and help you to push it into the outer reality, where it links with others. Times when we are feeling 